0: This is Faster, a podcast by Flow FlowCycle. In each episode, we interview industry experts to educate you, challenge you, and even change the way you train so you become faster. Roughly half of our aging population are women, which means 50% go through menopause. Historically, menopause has been a topic that doesn't get discussed openly, but Celine Yeager from Hit Play Not Pause podcast is trying to change the conversation around menopause for female athletes. Even as a male athlete or coach who coaches women, this podcast delivers a wealth of knowledge you can share with the women you know. Celine is an author, has penned some of the space's leading books on women in sports, like Roar, who she wrote with Stacey Sims, and Rush to Glory, who she wrote with Rebecca Rush. She's also a phenomenal athlete who has transitioned through menopause and is still winning events. If you or someone you know is approaching menopause, partway through it or postmenopausal, then listen to this episode to get faster through the change, and if you've stopped competing, learn how to get back to what you love. When we're not creating this podcast, we're working on other ways to make you faster. At Flow, we design and manufacture some of the world's fastest cycling wheels that we sell consumer direct to keep more money in your pockets. As a special thank you for listening to Faster, we wanted to offer you 20% off your next purchase. Simply use coupon code PODCAST in all capital letters at checkout. Your purchase will also support our give-back initiatives. 1% of all sales supports our Bike for a Kid program, where we provide bikes and helmets for kids in need. We also plant one tree for every wheel we ship as a thank you to our planet. Enjoy the show. Celine. welcome to Faster.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: We are super excited to have you. You are sort of a, a total badass, the more that I, I learn about you. Um, I originally heard about you through Stacey Sims and the book Roar. And ah, then okay. I ended up, yeah. And then I ended up working with... Um, we had another guest on the show. Uh, geez, I'm drawing a blank on her name. Uh, Hannah, so, Hannah was on the show. Oh, Hannah, the Grant. Hannah Grant. Yes. And then we, and then that, you know, your name came up again. I'm like, who is this? I I really got to look her <laughs> up. So that's, I kind of reached out and said, Hey, we can, we can take a look at this. And, uh, my wife also helps out around here and she, she also sent me something on you. So, I'm, okay, that's three pieces. I, I got to have you on the show. You're way too interesting to, to not have on. Um, You are definitely a woman of many talents, so let's get a start on your athletic background and accomplishments.
1: That's a big question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not just because I've accomplished so much. I've always, you know, I've been, just for a little background for people who might know, not know, I have also been a writer, contributing editor for Bicycling Magazine for, mm, since 1998. (laughs) So I have... I have been on board with them for a very long time, and over the course of that same amount of time, I've I've had a lot of different athletic endeavors. I was a mountain bike racer mostly at heart, and then in 2008, kind of on a whim, I decided I'll do this Ironman thing. You know, I'd done a few triathlons, and it was one of those things like, oh, it'd be nice to check that off the list. It's just like a big thing. and. I found a magazine article, much like I would write in triathlete magazine, 16 weeks to Ironman. I'm like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh I sent, you know, I, but I, I knew nothing. I opened it up. I'm like, I have no idea what any of this swimming stuff means. Like, because I really could just not drown, but I was not much of a swimmer. Uh So I, I, I thought I should hire a swim coach. And I hired this woman and she's like, well, my husband, Craig, he does he does Ironman coaching. You should. If you're up for it, hire us both. So I had done some Olympic uh, testing at the Olympic, uh, you know, like physiology testing at the Olympic testing center for for just stories and stuff. I had all these race results and metrics and I just shot them off. And he immediately got back to me. He's like, you could qualify for Kona. And I was like, oh, boy, (laughs) that's not what I wanted to hear. (laughs) That was not what I had in mind. So 16 weeks became nine or 10 months. And sure enough, I I won my age group in Louisville and went to Kona six weeks later. And that started me on a really tremendous journey. John, it, it took me, I got picked up by a semi-professional uh, sort of mountain bike racing team and, you know, ended up racing in Brazil with Rebecca Rush and did the Cape Epic and uh the Hot Israel Epic and the, Bre- the Breck Epic and the BC Bike Race and the Transylvania, et cetera, so on. And then onto Dirty and now Unbound. And on and on and on. It's been a really amazing amazing journey.
0: That's super cool. So, was it the athletics that led to you being an author or were you an author and then turned athlete?
1: That's a great question. I was a writer always first. I came out of school as a as a medical writer actually. I worked outside of Philadelphia writing things for, you know, radiology today and infectious diseases and children and really terrible things, actually. And I really I really wanted to I wanted to be more consumer facing at that point. I'd seen I'd seen the magazines, you know, Men's Health and all these magazines. I'm like, I think I could do that. And I think I'd like to do that. So I kept sending resumes to Rodale Press at the time was the publisher of all those magazines, as well as Bicycling and Runner's World. And I kept getting rejected, and I was just like, you know, whatever. And then one day, a headhunter found my resume uh, in their pile, and I got uh, got a call, and I got an interview, and they had me write a chapter on dental floss, because if you can make dental floss entertaining, I guess you can make anything entertaining, and I got the job. Yeah, Yeah. that sounds pretty good. (laughs) So I I stayed there. I'd always wanted to work for myself. I stayed there a few years, made a bunch of amazing friends and contacts met all these people at Bicycling Magazine who started me on that trajectory. They're like, you should ride with us. I was like, oh okay. And you know, I was just on some clapped out hybrid. And they're like, you're actually pretty good at this. You might want to get a real bike. And I was like, okay, whatever. Um, but I knew nothing. I knew nothing. I never even had heard of the Tour de France, quite honestly. I grew up in this little coal town and I knew nothing. I just grew up riding my bike. So they hooked me up and got me all this stuff and they're like, why don't you try racing? I was like, ah, eh, you know, and I lined up and I won. So very long story short. I just, you know, I met all the right people in all the right places and went off on my own. And I've been working with all of them ever since.
0: That's awesome. Um, this show is pretty cool for me. It's it's a show on menopause, which I, I think is uh, a highly under discussed topic <laughs> in general. But I yeah. think even in athletics, it's even more uh, misunderstood. And I, I want to get into that because I feel like my, my guess is after you know researching you some and going through things, I feel like your life's work has kind of led you to this new venture of yours called Hit Play Not Pause. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I kind of want to just touch on your your author journey a little bit more and okay. give the listeners some some more background as to why you're so cool in this space. So the book that I love and you know the f- first spot that I heard about you was Roar. Tell us a little bit about that book and and what the process was and, and what you learned from writing that book.
1: That was another pivotal moment. So. I am also a USA Cycling uh, coach. I'm a licensed coach and a trainer and a nutrition coach. All those other things. So you know, you always have to go and keep your continuing education credits fresh. And went out to Colorado Springs for one of the many USAC summits I'd been to, and you know, very frankly, they had started getting stale and disappointing. You know, you, you sort of see the same things and. And uh, I didn't have real high expectations, but I was staying with my friend James Herrera, who was uh, a coach at the time uh, for the BMX team. And he's like, I think you're going to like this woman, Stacey Sims. I was like, OK. You know, so I went and I sat in her session and she talked about menstruation and she talked about, uh, you know, bloating. She talked about all these things that women athletes go through and um, during their cycle and that they need specific nutrition they need specific hydration they need a specific approaches and no I had never heard anybody say any of those things ever 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 and when she walked out of the coaching uh, conference room she it was like the messiah had walked out like the line following her was incredible they were just like everybody just had so many questions for her so I got in the line because I was like this woman needs a book and I just waited in line and I got up to her and I said you need a book and I will help you write it and she said Sure. (laughs) I'm not kidding. (laughs) So that's just, we we started on this really awesome journey together. And I went out to her place. She was in Fairfax, California at the time. And did just helped her sort of with all these other women athletes develop some of her products. You know, she was doing some of the Osmo stuff at that time. The Women Are Not Small Men. And we would, it was really cool to watch it in motion. So she would give us the pee sticks, the urinalysis things. And we would do hill repeats up Mount Tam. Like just falls out he'll repeats and then like duck behind a parked car and pee on the stick and show her <laughs> and, and she would be like oh see you're losing protein you didn't blah 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 and she'd give you like a snack and a hydration thing and you would do it again and we did motor pacing and it was fascinating to watch it in motion it was fascinating and i was like this woman is on to something and it it really it, it you know and it, it was interesting for me because i had spent so much time in the Bicycling Magazine space, kind of railing against the shrink it and pink it in the industry that I knew so well, never really thinking about how women were so overlooked and underrepresented in the scientific literature, especially in sports medicine. And she really shined a big, bright light on that.
0: I remember the first time I met Stacey was at Bike. Goodness, it must have been 2014, 15, somewhere in that range she was at. That's when we were Osmos. working on. That's when I met yeah. her. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember talking to her. and I'm like, okay, this this woman clearly knows a few things. I've just been a big fan of her, you know, since I met her and and kind of have followed her story. And I'm just really, uh, it's really cool what she's accomplished. And you know, oh. knowing that you're part behind that book, yeah. I think that that's that's just also really cool for you. Uh, another book that you've been a part of, which is Rush to Glory, which yep. is uh, yep. a really cool book. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: That was also a, a fun serendipitous moment. So I had interviewed Rebecca Rush, who. If people don't know, she's multi-time world champion, national champion, mountain biker, adventure athlete, endurance athlete. She does a lot of very long, crazy things now. She's also uh, the woman behind Blood Road. But anyway, at that time, she had come to Pennsylvania for the Transylvania mountain bike epic. That was 2010. And she had never ridden in Pennsylvania before. And I'm not sure how many people in your audience have. But Pennsylvania trails are very different from oh kind of everything (laughs) we are the rockiest we are east coast rocks it means something you know like you look at the trail and it's like just a river rocks and you find that the line appears well the line really didn't appear for her she had a really hard time and i ended up i ended up winning the race which no one expected that i was going to win when rebecca was there but we became really fast friends and she too had talked about you know i always want to put together this book and i was like well i know someone so we spent we spent a year together. I went out and uh, you know, stayed with her. We did Dirty Kanza, which is now inbound, together in 2013. We raced the Brazil ride. We did that specialized, used to do this ride from Salt Lake City to Interbike. We did we did all these things together and just I just spent a lot of time with her recording her her mom had kept, it was amazing. Her mom had kept all these VH1 tapes uh from VHS, not VH1, VHS tapes from when she was doing adventure racing. And she had transcripts, like meticulous notes of like who was in what condition and who said what. And I was like, this is gold. So I was able to just dig into that and really see and feel and what it was like. So it was really cool, like writing. I had never really written, written a memoir book like that. You know, I'd never channeled somebody kind quite like that to tell their story and to give their message so it was it was very it was a really great process you know so i was able to like use her words and form a book out of it and send it to her and like let her massage it and stuff and make sure it was perfect and that was a really great process
0: cool uh another one which is one you say is near and dear to your heart because they're they're pretty recent is climb tell us a little bit about climb
1: yeah climb is awesome and i think that you know, I've always liked to climb on my bike, particularly. And, you know, when you meet people, they're always like, they either, it's usually two camps. Like people either hate it or they love it, or maybe they love to hate it. But I've always thought like it's climbing is one of those things that is transformational on many levels. You know, you get such a sense of satisfaction when you get to the top of something really hard and uh, high tide raises all of the boats, as they say, you know, I think climbing is very good physiologically. So I, they were looking for another book at bicycling. I had written a few, you know, get fast is one that you'd mentioned, which is another, just very tip heavy, very bicycling style, like all the things you can do from brain training to nutrition to to increase your your fitness and your speed. And I wanted, you know, I was like, I'd love to do one in climbing, and I, I was surprised they went for it because it was kind of, a you know, a, that's a niche of a niche, but it was really popular. It's it's been a big seller for them, so I think that I think it hit something that that a lot of people you know, just tapped into something that a lot of people want to do better or appreciate doing. So yeah, climb is, climb is one of my, it one of my favorites.
0: Cool. And one of the last books we'll talk about is gravel, which is cool. Cause Gravel's currently exploding. Yep. Um, we just, yeah, I'm excited about that. We just released our gravel wheel line. So tell us what your book on gravel is oh, nice. about.
1: Yeah, it was that too was another pet project. Climb did really well. And they were like, Hey, you want to do another book? And I was like, sure. And I, I thought, Why don't we do it on gravel? Because at the time, uh, you know, around 2013, I think, was an inflection point in gravel. I I was at Dirty Kansas, Unbound at that point. And that's when the people started discovering it and the pros started showing up. And it was starting to, like, Vela News was picking it up. All of a sudden, it was in the air everywhere. And gravel bikes were coming out. And, you know, the next few years, I'd go to events. And... I could tell people had just – they just didn't know what gravel was. I mean, you still run into people who don't know what gravel is because gravel is so many things. So I would go to Rebecca's private Idaho stage race, and she's got 16 miles of single track the first day. And there were definitely – I ran into a woman the next day. She was like, I didn't think that was gravel. you know?" She's like, I I was not prepared for that. It took her a long time, and she just – she had a really hard time with it. And I, there's some events here that are very um, Grindero-like, you know, where you're on single track. You're on, like, 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 gnarly single track, not just swoopy buff single track. And, you know, I'd, be, I'd sit down at the end of the day and have a beer and somebody would come up, you know, recognizing me from the magazine. They'd be like, Celine, that was not fun for me. Is that gravel? And I thought, there seems to be some a little, a little light shed on this whole topic. So just sort of talking about what this is all about, what you'll find. What kind of bikes and like, you know, really, John, what a lot of people get surprised by is they'll go, they'll, they'll talk to me, they'll come to me for some coaching advice and they'll they'll in their mind, they'll be like, well, OK, I'm going to do this Michigan coast to coast. It's 213 miles. If I average like the usual 15, 16, I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let's pull the plug right there. You're not going to average 15 or 16. You know, like <laughs> they think they're going to average their road speeds, but they just don't understand that. That that it's so much more energy because of the the rolling resistance in the surface, and you're on sand, you're in dunes, you're in this. That not only you're going slower, you're working much differently, and you're working much harder. That changes your nutritional needs and all of that. So gravel was you know a a compilation of all of those things.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, let's let's jump on to your your newest venture, which I think is really cool. You recently released a podcast called Hit Play Not Pause. Which is really a first of its kind guide to training and competing through menopause. Do you feel that your life has sort of led you to this point to produce this podcast? Because that's kind of what I'm getting from it when I'm listening to it. Is that what how you feel as well?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, without a doubt. Because it was kind of a, you know, a, a self interest. <laughs> yeah, I, I somewhere I raced in Cuba in. I'm trying to think of my timelines. Right when I was hitting perimenopause without kind of knowing it, you know, like I had had some hot flashes, but as an endurance racer, I would often furnace at night anyway. You know how that is? Like sometimes you're just like you just break out in sweats because you're just so whacked out from all these all this races and these efforts and you're off. So I didn't know what was what. Uh, but then I hit 48 for sure. Definitely 49. And I was like, what the hell is happening? It felt like like overnight, like my muscles my muscles seemed to vanish, and all of a sudden I ha- I was puffy and I had put on fat where I'd never had it, and it's just like I felt like my body had just turned, like just turned, and it was really disconcerting. And I was working with Stacy on our follow up book, which is for this audience. And I literally I said I cannot do this book unless I get my own self straight, and she's like, "Calm down, <laughs> that's why we're doing this book," and she. You know, she gave me a lot of advice, which we'll talk about through this podcast, but I applied it and it, you know, nothing is going to obviously turn back time. You know, we're not going to ever, you know, some things are age related and men go them through them too, but there's definitely stuff that happens very, very quickly in women with these rapid hormonal fluctuations that you can help mitigate. So she helped me do that and I felt like much more like myself again and got back on track. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, we can write this book. But, you know she works with a company that helps promote some of our products and they, they wanted to do, they wanted to get into the menopause space and they're like, Hey, do you want to do a webinar? And I said, you guys should do a podcast. And they said, do you want to do it? I said, yes. So uh, I, that's how I got it. And it's been, it's been really great because I have spent the past 20 some years. I, I was writing about menopause when I was 28. I had no business writing about menopause then. I know that now, but I, but I had been interviewing, you know, It's women who are in the Women's Health Initiative studies, giant studies, you know, for Prevention Magazine and just collecting all of these resources, both on the scientific and on the athletic side, because I've been racing with these women. And now I have them, you know, they're like, how are you getting all these guests out of the gate? And I'm like, well, they're in my phone, you know, (laughs) because I've been I've I've known them for so long. So it's it, it is a it is it's wonderful. Like I and I the response has been Enormously positive, I mean so many people are just every like I got a sea of just thank yous, just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. just thank you for talking about it, just for saying well, the I think words.
0: it's and I think it is cool that you're doing it because you know menstruation, menopause, any of that sort of stuff is is kind of like a taboo topic. it's like mm-hmm. and i and I think that's really strange because you know roughly half of our population goes through these experiences and I don't understand why people don't talk about it more. So why do you think it is that you're the first to sort of tackle this for for men and women?
1: Well, I, you know, I want to be clear that I'm not <clears> – <throat> you know, there are other people talking about menopause at this point. Michelle Obama, Oprah, there's there, – there, Well, it's,
0: it's, and, and I mean in the cycling. Like yeah, in the, yeah, yeah. In the I sports space, you're kind of that person.
1: Well – Few reasons that when I started doing a lot of the mountain bike racing that I was doing, there was still just like nine women at Leadville, right? Like the they're just as we all know, competitive cycling, particularly mountain bike stage racing, all that stuff was a very male-dominated space, and cycling media has traditionally been a pretty male-dominated space. You know, I was a, a female voice among few. Yeah, there's there's more now, but in some some areas, there's still not that many. You know, bicycling has always had a few more women on board and I give them a lot of credit for that. So, there, you know, part of it is just I was there. <laughs> I've been there for so long and I've had this I've had this platform because I've just I've just been on board that for that much time. And, you know, I, I wouldn't expect, you know, Rebecca Rush like she was not. I had, She was my second guest, third guest on the podcast. And she wasn't reticent to talk about it, but she's like she had just never thought to talk about it because you just don't talk about these things. You know, like that's still pretty ingrained in our culture, right? Like, what are you going to do? Be on the start line and be like, hey, ladies, you know, who's hot flashing? Like, you just don't, you know, I mean, it, you just don't really talk about it. And also, you know, there are stigmas still associated with with menopause has always been really something you know you think you think what golden girls and you think crones or like old women it has these weird associations with it that who, who wants to align with that and it's a drag of a word right menopause so it's just like everything about it is not super sexy or fun on the on the face of it so it didn't surprise me But I thought like if anyone is going to change this conversation, it would be criminal if I didn't. I have the opportunity. I have the resources. I have the platform. I have the contacts. I'm not, I've always just put myself out there because I I don't know, I'm my father's daughter and that's just the way I am. So, you know, I I might as well just open my mouth and grab the mic. And it, yeah.
0: So what's your overall goal? If you had like one overarching goal with the podcast, what do you think it is?
1: Change the conversation. Just make women feel open about talking about it. Feel seen. Feel heard. And you know, so that they they can take actions. And and there's so much stuff you can do. Like to to if you if you see it coming, you know, you can you can start adapting even earlier to sort of like push off some of the some of the changes that sort of hit you like a bus down the line. If you don't if you don't see them coming. So if we can just open this door and have this conversation, because. Honestly, John, a lot of women quit. It's like it's almost the same as menstruation and puberty. Like a lot of girls, before we started understanding and talking to them, quit sport, right? Drop out. Like as soon as their bodies would start changing, they disappear from the field. That happens on the other end, too. Like if you are a marathon runner and you're suddenly peeing in your shorts because you've got urinary incontinence because of the changes in your vaginal uh you know, your vaginal pH and your, your, your pelvic floor, you're going to quit. You're not going to keep marathoning. And that, that happens. If you're, if you're putting on weight and you're losing sleep and your moods are shifting and you feel invisible, you're just going to shrink. And I've always been very bold, but when I hit 50, I had all those same feelings. I'm like, no, 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 this is not happening. We cannot, we cannot let all these amazing women who have been so strong and awesome, just go to the sidelines because they don't know what's going on and nobody's talking to them.
0: Yeah. And I agree. So let's see if we can help you change your conversation here a little bit and we'll cover some topics. Uh, let's do some menopause 101. What is menopause? What's the, the quick <laughs> dirty version of what, how do you define it?
1: Menopause is, is, it's funny because it really is just one point in time. We think about it very, very differently but technically, menopause is nothing more than 12 months after your last period. You are that is menopause. Most but when most people talk about menopause, they're talking about all the other stuff that surrounds it. Like the perimenopause perimenopause is the years leading up to it. So you start running out of eggs, right? You only have so many eggs. And as you run out of eggs, like your periods. Is- get wonky and 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 your hormones estrogen and progesterone which control that whole menstrual cycle your whole life go haywire and that that's what most people have a lot of disruption with and then menopause happens and then you're post-menopause your whole life and that's when your hormones kind of flatline and all of that has profound effects on so much of your physiology.
0: So basically we got three phases of menopause, perimenopause which is before menopause, Yep, and that can and be then- 10
1: years. I would like to just make that clear for people listening. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. And then
0: there's menopause and then postmenopause. Yep. So basically it's kind of uh the the ovaries are going into retirement. If I am if, yes. if I'm hearing my correctly. Okay. Yes. So yes. They're they're setting up for uh for the retirement plan. Okay, perfect. And then is menopause a linear process? So like no. once it starts. No. Oh my
1: god, no. No, okay, it's anything but linear. It would probably be much easier if it was linear. But but because like, okay, so maybe I'll get an egg one month, but not the next month, and then I'll get a couple more, you know, it 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 that's that causes a giant roller coaster of hormones. You know, so like the estrogen's high, then it's low, then the pressure. So that's the it's it there's a lot of really big fluctuation before. It starts to um, get a little even out and then decline as far as your hormones are concerned. Yeah.
0: So with it not being linear, I'm I'm gonna we'll talk about the symptoms here in a minute, but I'm assuming those symptoms are sort of all over the map as well. All over the map,
1: and they're not consistent. They're so like I was stunned when I started researching, you know, for this book and for this podcast and doing all these interviews, just how many symptoms there were. Everybody hears hot flash, you know, and they whatever, but there's a million menopause symptoms and they're very different for for every woman
0: so give us a few of them that you kind of the standards and some of the ones that you didn't know about that you're happy you know about now
1: well I think what I'm what I didn't know and I, I you know so a lot of the symptoms that people experience are you know the weight gain the weight shift they women get all of a sudden they've never had you know a, a belly like some guys do and all of a sudden they have a belly and mood swings and depression, anxiety, I did not know was one. I had, I would wake up in the middle of the night, sleep disruption is huge. I'd wake up at 3 a.m., panicked, and just be like, okay, is this my life now? You know, like, cause, you know, once my head starts, it starts racing, and I just, I'd start counting backwards from 50 and I'd just trying to calm myself down. I didn't know that was hormonal. You know, I didn't know there was a hormonal compo- com- component to that. Managing blood sugar is harder. You get more insulin resistant. Didn't know that. Harder to protein synthesize. Didn't know that. Yeah, you know, like there's there's so many things that estrogen does. That it, it's behind bone remodeling, vaginal health, blood pressure, body temperature, moods, appetite, blood sugar, mitochondria function, inflammation, muscle growth, you know, and then progesterone is connective tissue stability and brain health and pain relief and immunity. No one... It's criminal we don't know this because it affects pretty much every cell of your body.
0: That's pretty crazy. So, you know, it, I want to talk about the hormones here in a little bit because I think that's a key thing. But before we get to that, what is the normal age range for like beginning of perimenopause all the way to post menopause? Is it
1: the, the average is it age kind of of that a woman hits that point in time, you know, is 51 or 52? So, It's usually around five years ish that most women might start noticing something, but it's, it could be subtle. So they might not even attribute it to anything, but generally within a couple of years for sure, leading into it, most women are like, okay, like what is happening? And yeah. So, and then you're postmenopausal the rest of your life.
0: Yeah. So my understanding uh, let's talk about the hormones here a little bit is that there are three sex hormones for women there is estrogen progesterone and testosterone Can you kind of explain the role of each and how they change during menopause
1: yeah and i i'll um I'm gonna take testosterone off the table a little bit just because when we talk about it it's usually i mean yes it's sort of like men it's it's important for libido it's important for muscle it's it's quite lower in women and though some women get uh, a little testosterone supplementation as part of more menopause hormone therapy—it's it, not as common, and for athletes, it's off the table because you can't. We too cannot get testosterone supplementation because if we get tested, we get popped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. Um, but estrogen is really is really the driver, you know. And I'm, obviously, estrogen and progesterone are hugely involved in your menstrual cycle and your reproductive health. Right. Like that's that's how we think of them. But I think that what is more important for um, this audience and, and women in general to know is that it also has all these other roles. You know, it it's anabolic. So it's really important for muscle growth and strength and, and contractile strength. And mm. it helps. Yeah. Which is really important. So it's also it supports healthy mitochondria function. It's key for managing inflammation for managing blood sugar, for helping regulate your appetite. It has a profound effect on serotonin and some of your other neurotransmitters. So your moods, you know, like involved in anxiety, depression, and fatigue when things are off, body temperature, blood pressure. That's one of the reasons women, you know, have a higher risk of heart disease after menopause Um, and, you know, vaginal health, which is not a small thing. Like ask any cyclist not a small thing and uh progesterone is sort of is a balancing out of estrogen so it's involved with connective tissue stability estrogen can kind of loosen your tendons and ligaments while progesterone can increase the tension on those things again it's it's nice to have that balance uh brain health pain relief is a big one and bone health so and again also inflammation and immunity and a lot of these things it's a, a yin yang thing with estrogen so to say what's happening with each just depends what they're doing. Like a lot of women in the perimenopause state have low progesterone relatively and high estrogen, which is not great because then estrogen's out of control and progesterone isn't bringing it down. You know, and the, but, but these things fluctuate and it, it just wreaks havoc on all of those things. But the muscle loss as the estrogen goes, What you're seeing with the muscle loss and the weight gain, which are the two things women come to say, like, what is happening about is really because of, um, you know, that last that lack of that anabolic stimulus and the insulin sensitivity. So you get more of that visceral fat, you know, it's harder for you to and and more inflammation, which raises your cortisol. A lot of it is like out of control cortisol, too, which is your stress hormone. And that's not good for uh, body composition either.
0: So, in general, post menopause, the estrogen is lower. It's been decreased. It's kind of
1: gone. They flatline. Both of them flatline.
0: I, both of them flatline. Okay. That makes sense. I, I remember years ago, I had seen this. I don't know if it was a documentary or what it was, but it was the, this depiction of how you, if you look at a male and female baby, their bodies are essentially identical. And then, you know, midlife, they're very different. And then they're stating that, you know, going through. Into your older years, the bodies actually look very similar again. Yeah, which I thought was that was kind of funny. You know, yeah, that
1: no, that's interesting because they do because of that that shift of uh, shift into, right? into the yeah, and it shifts the yep. weight into the abdominal area, which which is a thing that happens to guys pretty much from day one. Yes. Right? at least in their adult lives.
0: Definitely. Do you think that female athletes, especially in you know long distance endurance athletes, do they go through anything? Through menopause that's different than somebody who is not an athlete uh, from a hormone perspective
1: Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of case studies that, we're, that we have in this book, and obviously Stacy has worked with a lot of people. It's better for sure because exercise helps with all of that, right? So if you take a woman who doesn't exercise at all, a lot of this stuff is exacerbated a lot, you know because she's not managing there's nothing to manage the blood sugar you know exercise helps. Exercise helps with blood pressure. Exercise helps maintain some muscle. It helps reduce some stress. So, you know, to a tipping point, of course, you know, as, as someone who does ultra endurance stuff, you 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 can easily go too far into that other side. And now you've got runaway inflammation and cortisol because you're killing yourself, you know, doing a 200 mile gravel race. But that's that's another thing. But, you know, the, but you, it's something to take into consideration because you have to adjust your training accordingly to try to help your changing physiology.
0: Yeah. Is there anything that you can do post menopause from a supplementation perspective? Do people take Yes. In you know, like okay. Wh- yes. What's that look like?
1: Um um Stacy Stacy is very keenly into adaptogens, which are just, you know, plant-based supplements that help your body be more stress resilient. And the two that she likes most, which I take and have found very useful, are ashwagandha and shisandra. And they they really do just They just work to help mitigate the stress in your body. That, that's the biggest thing. So they sort of help with sleep. They help with blood sugar. They help with that kind of stuff. But all that stuff has a ripple effect that is quite positive.
0: So, But you're not supplementing something like estrogen. You're not giving oh, yourself...
1: Oh, that's what you mean. Um yeah I mean menopause hormone therapy for sure the way that and you if you ask a bunch of different women you're gonna like by women i mean doctors and coaches and stuff you're gonna get a bunch of different answers on this, but most experts would tell you that if your symptoms are hugely disruptive in your life that that menopause hormone therapy is definitely the way to go, and the studies are. Quite conclusive that within a ten-year window of menopause, they're most effective, and everybody got really worried about breast cancer during the Women's Health Initiative study almost twenty years ago. Now it was a long time ago, Um, but that study was flawed in many ways, and the the way the results were presented was were flawed in many ways. And I just talked to I've talked to so many uh, so many doctors who are part of the North American Menopause Society who are so distraught by that study because they're they like it does not cause cancer it does not cause cancer like women are suffering necessarily unnecessarily because it, like because they're so afraid of this minuscule if at all risk you know and it can be quite life changing for 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 women who and and there are many who have depression super hot flashes, can't sleep, like everything is disruptive. 100% getting like an estrogen patch and a little progesterone just to just to flatten that crazy roller coaster can be very helpful. And they should 100% talk to their doctor and make sure their doctor knows about menopause. And I'm not saying that in any condescending way, but a lot don't. Like even if ob don't necessarily either, like you should check the North American Menopause Society has a page, and you can check for references and doctors who are certified through them.
0: Okay, that's awesome. Let's talk about uh, a little bit more about athletes going through menopause. When you look at the female body composition during menopause, like you're saying, muscle mass kind of decreases, visceral fat, body fat increases. Is there any way to sort of regulate that through that phase? I mean, I know plenty of women who are, you know, Post menopause, who are still in phenomenal shape. Um, so, what is the, what's the best way to sort of move through that and mitigate through that that phase where you're not necessarily losing a ton of muscle mass yeah. and, and still staying lean?
1: Well, it, it's it's not super unlike what what you might hear Joe Friel tell you. You know, uh, you have to make up for that. We have to make up for what we're losing anabolically, right, from our hormones and one of the big ways to do that is lift heavy stuff (laughs) lift heavy weights get into it and it works you know you need a really strong stimulus to to have that to to maintain the muscle you have and to get more strength and to get that contractile strength and the muscle quality and lifting heavy is a hundred percent the way to go yeah yeah. And it's also very
0: and, good for osteoporosis.
1: Yes. It's it's it's, yeah. it's good for kind of everything. And it it's yes. it's really good for endurance athletes. And I and it's so refreshing. I was on Triathlete's uh, Fitter and Faster podcast and it was so refreshing to hear all these women talking about lifting heavy in the gym. You know, because I've been in this game a long time and you could not convince women to to do that for decades. Every, and men, too, like a lot of cyclists are like, oh no, no, no." And now everybody gets it, that it's, you know, a neuromuscular thing. Like you really want that strength. You want all those muscles working in concert. And also like sprint interval training is super useful for the same reasons.
0: Yeah, perfect. What about uh, dietary needs during menopause? I'm I'm guessing it's sort of in line with, you know, regulating your calories. Uh, What does that look like? How does that change as you go through menopause?
1: Yeah, um, we're really... trying to push away from that idea of calories in calories out because what happens way too often is women hit this point they start putting on the fat losing muscle and the first thing they want to do is eat less train more and that sends their stress hormones up and it's counterproductive right now now you're probably gaining fat or at least holding on to what you have So you have to like you really need to support your training and you really need more protein. You know, Stacey is is she preaches the gospel of protein, like 30 grams at every meal, 15 to 20 at every snack if you can, because you just it's harder for you to synthesize it and you need it. And carbohydrates, you still need carbs. It's not like please don't cut them out of your life. You need them for everything. But you need to be a little choosier about them and, and a little more strategic just because of that slight insulin resistance that comes. So, you know, just generally outside of training, trying to get your carbohydrates from all those nutrient-dense fruits, vegetables, cruciferous vegetables are particularly really good for um, hormone regulation during this time. And then, Not
0: necessarily lucky charms.
1: Not necessarily. Well, <laughs> unless you like pack them in your, your, your ride bag, your bento box on your bike. But no, 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 like trying yeah. to then eat, um, you know, eat, but eating those kind of carbs around activity, during activity, if you want your lucky charms and Swedish fish and, you know, your, your starchier stuff around your training too. So just being a little strategic, not cutting, not cutting stuff out necessarily, just like improving the quality and moving it around and making sure that you spread that protein out throughout the whole day. And one thing that is really useful for women during this point is not eating within two hours of bedtime to give them time to get that parasympathetic rest and digest. You know, like they don't, you don't want your body working on digestion. You really need to try to set yourself up for good sleep.
0: Okay, perfect. Do you, you talk about lifting heavy is something you can do to change uh, during menopause. What about actually training from endurance perspective what changes or does anything change during menopause
1: taking some of the volume and filler down can be really helpful you know it's you find that a lot of women end up in sort of no man's land a lot and it's not men do this too but just you know there's a lot of you need to give your body, you need to hit the highs and really, really recover, really, really recover, like truly, truly recover. Like that's very, very important, more important than ever, because you you are naturally more inclined to have like this higher level inflammation, higher level stress hormones. So like you want to hit those super high notes, but then you really want to take that. Maybe you need two rest days, right? Uh, when you When you're doing an easy day, you really need an easy day and try to like have those ends of the spectrum be well represented.
0: Yeah, definitely. You talked a little bit earlier about uh, one of the myths around this, where, you know, kind of old means slow, m- you know, menopause means slow. You're still racing at a very competitive level. So can you help us debunk this and just kind of explain why it doesn't necessarily mean that old post-menopausal means slow?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I think that we have a th- a thing in this in this culture for sure, no matter what about old, right? Like, what is old? Like, ask Tom Brady what old is. I don't know what old is. You know, like I I think that we are now starting to see a shift in our thinking about that, and I and I think in endurance sports we've seen that for quite a while. You know, we've seen the Ned Overends and the Rebecca Rushes and the people s- sort of in the game longer you know than than we would typically think about that like so i i do think that that is finally starting to change i think the problem that women sometimes face is that you hit uh, a double-edged thing of ageism and sexism where you're an old lady and like old ladies aren't fast right so we have to rethink what all of that means which is part of why i'm I'm starting this community and I have this whole group because these women are showing themselves that, that 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 is not is not the case. We just need to listen and pay attention to them and put them in the spotlight a little more. They're there.
0: Is there anything that you should specifically avoid from an athletic perspective during menopause?
1: Um negative self-talk? <laughs> Well, you know, and I mean that, like you hear I've just I've done I just did a podcast on that. And it's 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 true. Like women hit this age and and they, there's a little they start doing a little bit of the self-deprecating talk and a little bit of this stuff. And and it, it feeds on itself. And you, your words matter. Your words matter to yourself and your words matter to the people around you. You know, so when someone I'm with riding with some woman and she's like, oh, I'm just an old bag. I'm like, you just called me an old bag. Stop it. You know, like, don't do that. And it it does. It matters. It's, you know, I interviewed this this uh, a trainer that I wrote a book for many years ago. And she's like, you just have to get out that bad bitch metal that you let get dusty and dust it off. You know, I'm like, "Okay, that's good. Good, 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 good advice. But she's right. She's like all this stuff that you have done up to this point the medals that you have and the trophies you did all that that's in you right you just you you now look forward so it, I do I think that if I had to tell and what not to do is don't start trash talking yourself that's that's very counterproductive
0: that's that's good advice for menopausal women but for I think for everybody that's just very good advice uh you mentioned a little bit earlier about where to find you know doctors I think that you know, obviously menopause is somewhat complex. I'm, I'm assuming not always 100% understood, and especially when you start to think of somebody who's who's an athlete. Is there uh, any more suggestions you would have to help somebody find a doctor, maybe in their area, that would understand them as an athlete going through menopause?
1: That's a great question, and I wish I had an answer because I don't. But
0: you don't. That's fine. Yeah, will, I don't, uh, and we're try- we are that.
1: trying to change that too. Stacey Sims now has a Menopause for Athletes course. And we have some coaches who have taken it and we're looking at ways uh, that we can database somehow, you know, make make them available, make it known that like that you are that you have spent the time to learn about that and are maybe more qualified to understand what a female athlete needs. But I can't tell you how many how many direct messages I've gotten from women who are like help me find a coach because it's a thing And, and it's not to it's not to talk badly about general coaches but you don't know unless you know you know that is i didn't know until i knew i thought i knew i didn't so to have somebody who if you could find somebody who's been through it themselves and as a coach that's gold and i think that you'll see i think you'll see more of that but we are we're just starting to scratch that surface
0: okay so you guys are building somewhat of a database we are for, going that
1: for... is um i'm I have a, a membership that is on the side that through Live Feisty called Feist, the, um, Feisty Menopause. And the, the, comp, the company is Lefeisty, And, you know, we have a lot of women joining this membership. And part of what I'm trying to do is also figure out how to create some sort of database so women can find each other and find coaches to work with them. But stay tuned I on love that. It. Yeah.
0: Love it, love it, love it. So a few general questions. And we kind of in, we kind of touched on these a little bit, but I want to learn a bit more about them. You're working on a new book with Stacey. Yes. What uh can you give us a little bit more information on that? When you think it's going to be out and what it's going to cover.
1: Well, it was due at the end of December, <laughs> but COVID <laughs> made that made that very difficult because Stacy got stuck and she lives in New Zealand. She was supposed to come back to the States in May, and it's always easier when we're in the same time zone and we can actually get together. I am actually finishing that as we speak. It, it should be out this spring. It'll definitely be out by summer. And it is, it, it's just a follow-up to Roar because, you know, very, very honestly, you know, when I wrote Roar, it, it was a giant, broad brushstroke, right? We're trying to cover everything. Like, a lot of it was centered around menstruating athletes. We had a chapter on pregnancy and a chapter on menopause. And it didn't take super long for women to to tell me that they did not think menopause one chapter was enough. And at the time, I wasn't menopausal. And as soon as I hit that point, I was like, those women are very right. So I, <laughs> yeah, I, I called Stacy, and she's like, oh, they're right. I'm doing a course. And I was like, perfect. So Penguin, who did the who's our publisher, was very keen to have a follow up because Roar has done and continues to do quite well. So this no. is all for that athlete. This is all to cover the things that we're talking about now.
0: Awesome. And hit play, menopause not You say, it, is it feisty? What's what's the...
1: Feisty menopause is the umbrella. Uh, okay. Yeah.
0: So with an umbrella, you do have other plans. What's the... Can you tell us about the Bigger Venture?
1: Well, the Bigger Venture, we have this membership program. The, it's... Uh, you can go to Feisty Menopause and check that out. Where every month... Like this month, we talk about, wait, there's a theme and we provide materials like what is happening? Why is it happening? What to do? You know, give them some resources and then just take different elements of menopause month by month. And it's also a community like we have a Slack community where people can talk to each other and it's just you know it it it's it's made it's curated I hate that word but it but there's a lot of garbage out there and there's a lot of misinformation out there and there's a lot of people that want to sell you a bunch of- gar junk so it's just a a safe place where we can talk openly and you can find information that you know is vetted so that is uh that's what we're working with there, and we also then through that are hoping to have maybe like a performance summit you know and yeah, that kind of thing.
0: Right on. I love it. Now, you. I'm assuming you have an author page on Amazon. If somebody's yes. interested in any of your yes. books, they can go there and check yep. them out. Yep. Um, I'll try and get that from you and throw those in the show notes. I think that would be really cool. And what's on your race schedule? You got anything coming up? Any big adventures?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it is a COVID year still, so right. Uh, it, it's hard to say. I do have a couple that got bumped from last year that I'm fingers crossed will happen this year. I am going towards the end of the year to Big Sugar, which is the gravel race in Bentonville, Arkansas. I was one of the, I did a trip down there for the pre-launch when they had the media like test drive the course, and it's uh that's going to be a it's really beautiful. It's going to be a very hard race because I thought that I lived where it was super punchy and climby, but wow, <laughs> uh, Arkansas is super punchy and climby and sharp. <laughs> Those rocks are.
0: You know it. I drove across the country a few years ago with my with my now wife, uh, and we got to Arkansas. And I don't know what I thought Arkansas was, but I just did not think it was what it was. Not I mean, meaning- there are more. It's crazy. It's beautiful. Beautiful. You know, we ended up going on this hike in this area and punchy. I can understand exactly why that would, would be a punchy place to ride. Right oh, opinion.
1: it won't. It's not going to be like unbound in Kansas where people can stay together for 180 miles. Like it's no. going to blow up immediately <laughs> <'cause> it, Yeah. <laughs> it's so, so punchy and so many rock or uh, stream crossings and there were a ton of flats just on our little like shakeout. Try it out, ride. So it's going to be very interesting. And then the other one that I got deferred to this year was, which I'm super excited about, is the Spirit Spirit World, which is the one that goes from Patagonia to the border and back in Arizona. No and way! Yeah, and that's in November. So those are the oh, two cool. big ones that are distant enough. My husband puts on unpaved in Pennsylvania. Uh, we actually got that one. It was very small. It went from, you know, a thousand people to two hundred, but there was an event. <laughs> uh, in central Pennsylvania, which is peak fall season in Pennsylvania, and that is I I know I'm biased, but man, it's so beautiful. And some of the the grippiest, greatest dirt I've I've ever had the pleasure of riding. So those three for sure in the fall, and you know, fingers crossed that we get some stuff in, you know, earlier in, in the year.
0: I know, I hope so too. That would be really awesome. The final question I'm going to ask you is a question we ask every guest. It's what we call our watt point question. Mm -hmm. We base it on a 300 watt FTP. So somebody (laughs) who we're going to kind of, we kind of change it a little bit for each guest. So the way I want to look at this one is if, if a female athlete comes in like yourself, whom I'm sure you have at least a 300 watt FTP. Uh, If you didn't take any of your advice through menopause, and then you took your advice through menopause. Mm. What type of improvement do you think you would see uh, through menopause?
1: Wow, I'm not real mathy, but let me let me. You can me, be.
0: It can okay. be like perceived effort. You know, can give me a gut let feel. Let me say
1: this. I'll, I'll say a couple things to that. If it's a hundred percent improvement, if you quit and then you get back in the game yes because you feel better and I, i have seen that actually happen and you know i i will say that i went from feeling on a lot of the usual courses and climbs that i have done from about a you know going up from i used to feel chainless on some of them and and i felt like it was like a eight or a nine rpa rpe not going real fast to feeling much more like myself again you know i was able to uh like one of the it was a very happy moment i i won there's a local event here called iron cross it's one of the original ultra cross events in the in the yep. u.s and i won that uh the year i turned 50 which you know there was oh, some cool. yeah which which made me you know after implementing some of this stuff and going through a real big mental ringer and that that made me feel really good. <laughs> so I was okay. like, OK, you know, and I'm, that's not going to happen forever. But I was able, you know, I, it, it does work. I was able to, like, you know, win my age group at, uh, you know, at a, at a local or a, I wasn't local at uh, the Quick and the Dead, which was another gravel grinder last summer and at Bud South, uh, which Mid-South, which was the last gravel race we had last year. So you can you can definitely, definitely feel like yourself again.
0: Okay, cool. So we'll, we'll put in uh, maybe a 10% bump, 20% There you bump go. You did the math like for that. me. I appreciate okay. Okay. all right. <laughs> I'll do the math for you. I love it. I love it. Um, listen, I really, really appreciate you being on the show today. I'm super happy that you're talking about this topic. You're making it you're making it known, and I'm, I'm happy that you're here, that we can help uh, spread the message for Hit Play, Not Pause as well. And I just honestly wish you the best with what you're doing. And I, like I say, hope we get some riding in this year.
1: Thanks, John. It was really great to be here.
0: Thanks for listening to Faster. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it, leave a review, or teach a friend what you learned today. For more great episodes on getting faster, subscribe to this podcast. While you're on your next ride, be kind to one another and ride safe.